We just celebrated communion. Communion. That is our common union with Christ. Our common union with Christ. And that is a relationship. And what is a relationship? A relationship is how we are connected to someone or something or to some event. We can have a legal relationship. We can have a marital relationship. We can have a parental relationship. We can have a business relationship. We can have almost any kind of relationship. We can have a relationship with food. We can have a relationship with sports. We can have a relationship with entertainment. Everything that we are connected to, we have a relationship with. And this communion is highlighting the fact that we have a common union, we have a relationship with the Arthur of creation, the firstborn from the dead, that he might be preeminent in all things, and in him all things hold together. And he came to this earth and died upon a cross to atone for your sins and mine, that we might have a relationship with him and with his father and with his spirit. And what he prayed for and what he asked for and what his desire was is that the relationship that he, Jesus, had with the Father, that same relationship would be available to all the other sons and daughters of God. Because as many as in Christ, we're a new creation, we're part of a new order, an order of sons and daughters, and sons and daughters are exactly that. You as a son, you as a daughter are to have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus did. So let's think for a while this morning about what his relationship with, was like with the Father. Well, first of all, when he came into this earth, he had no agenda other than wanting to do his Father's will. He says, my meat, my food, is to do the will of the Father and to finish the works that he's given me. He had no agenda other than doing the will of his father. Secondly, he had no desire to live out of his own resourcefulness. No desire to live out of his own resourcefulness. And what was his resourcefulness? His resourcefulness was deity. <laughs> That's a pretty good resource, isn't it? could have taken him a long way. But if he lived out of his resourcefulness as deity, he could have never been an example to you or to me because he was calling on something that you and I don't have. He also had no plans, no agenda other than wanting this abiding relationship with his father. 
So how did we come into the world? Well, we came into this world independent of the Father, did we not? And we learned from the time we were small boys and girls to be independent. In fact, I was congratulated the first time I walked across, I can actually still remember it, walked across the room and wasn't holding on to a, a wall. It's amazing that I can remember that, but I can. And I was congratulated the first time I did almost anything independently. My independence muscle was strengthened all during childhood and young adulthood up to I became a grown man. But Jesus lived this life of total dependence upon the Father. Not an ounce of independence. You know, he gets out in the desert to begin his public ministry. He's basically starved for 30 days. It gets very hot in the desert during the day and very cold at night. I'm sure he hurt animals. He was a man, insects. And into that 30 days, there's that little voice saying, well, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you just turn that rock into a bread and get yourself comfortable? No, I'm just going to depend upon my father. I'm just going to depend upon my father. And then Lucifer said, you know, that cross is a bad way to become a king. You just bow down and worship me. We can, we can have this happen real quick. I'll give you all the kings in the world. No. You shall serve only the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Time after time, Jesus was tempted and tested to call upon his own resourcefulness of deity and he always said no and lived a life of total dependence upon the Father. He had the Father's will. He had the Father's value system. He had the Father's life flowing through his veins. And that's what he wants for you and me because he talks about, in the sixth chapter of John, he said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. <laughs> he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. But what life is he talking about? Is he talking about a life that we just live forever? Well, it does last forever. But he's talking about if we have the Son, we have his very life living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something that doesn't get transformed when you and I become believers. We get a new nature. We're told if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. He writes his law upon our hearts. He takes away our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. We get a new nature. But the problem is the new nature has no power in itself to do the good it wants to do. And it does not have the power in itself to resist the bad it doesn't want to do. Romans 7. So the new nature, as good as it is, is pretty worthless unless it is plugged into the life of the Son through the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about values. You know what the world's values are? First is better than last. Big is better than small. Beautiful is better than not so beautiful. Fast is better than slow. 
More is better than less. And you know what? When you put a bunch of Christians together, a bunch of pastors, a bunch of Christian businessmen, a bunch of Christian educators, what's the first question that's asked? Well, you put a bunch of pastors together, the first question that's asked is how many people are in your church? <laughs> you put a bunch of educators together, the first question that's asked is how many people have you taught? If you put a bunch of Christian businessmen together, the first question is, how many deals have you done? How much capital do you control? You put a bunch of evangelists together, the first question that's asked is, how many people have you saved? No one ever asked the question, how do you live? Because it's not even on the table. Because our value systems as Christians have not been transformed at our conversion. We still think to win is better than to lose. To be first is better than last. The only difference between the Christians and the non-Christians is Christians want to win without cheating. <laughs> they want to win without lying. They want to play fair. But they want to win. And then they want to give Jesus all the glory, but they want to be sure to be standing in the photograph with him. Okay? They want to be seen with him as they give him the glory. But you know, the values of the kingdom are very, very different. Paul says, consider your calling. Consider. Contemplate on your calling. Not many wise people. Not many mighty people. Not many noble people are chosen. But rather God chooses the, the simple things the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He chooses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. And he chooses the base things, things that are despised, things that don't even exist to bring to nothing, things that are for what purpose? So no man, so no flesh shall glory in my presence. Now that, brothers and sisters, is not the world's value system. In fact, in the kingdom value system, those are the values. And not only that, the last is first. And he who is servant of all will lead. And he is least of all will be the greatest. It's upside down. It's upside down. So, how does this work? What is your relationship with Christ like? Well, most people's, most believers' relationship with Christ is very similar to all their other relationships. Now, we know Jesus loves us. We know Jesus is all-powerful. We know G God loves us. We know God's all-powerful. So, we typically have a relationship with him like we do with an earthly father except we expect our earthly father to have a control of a billion dollars. He wants to, you know, help us all every way he can. And so we kind of go to God like he's our helper. You got a big business presentation, God, help me do this. You're having trouble homeschooling, Jesus, help me do this. You're having problem with your relationship with your husband, help me live with him. Or help me live with her. It's this relationship of 
help me, you mighty, powerful God who loves me, help me. And help me also to keep from sinning. Oh, and I just did that again. And now we're not, I'm not going to talk to you for a while because I feel so ashamed. And why did you let me do that anyway? And I'm kind of growing away from you. Our relationship with Father tends to be like all of our other relationships on earth. It's a relationship of taking and maybe giving so we can get through life, so we can survive, so we can be first and not last, win and not lose, make it another day. Is that the relationship Jesus had with his Father? Do you think that's the relationship he wants us to have with him? Actually, brothers and sisters, he doesn't want to help you. He doesn't want to help me. He doesn't want to help you and I live our lives resourcing his deity. He actually wants to bestow upon you, to bestow upon me, the very resource of his deity as life. And this is what communion is about, the common union Doug started at the early beginning of the service talking about it. James hit on it again. But it's the very life of Christ flowing through your veins, flowing through my veins, that that's the relationship he wants us to have with him. And practically speaking, what does that look like on a Monday morning when you wake up? Is the first thing you think about, I got to have a quiet time so I can kind of get my head straight? So I can live the Christian life today? Is my first thought, well, I've got to pray to God so I can close the business deal? I've got to pray to God so I can live one more day with my husband? I've got to pray to God that I can live one day without screaming at my children? Is it like we want to just go resource him in the morning so we can just survive another day and not mess up? That's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus started feeding, feeding off Father from his first breath all day long to his last breath at night. He drew his life from his Father, and the life that you saw in the person of Christ was the life of the Father flowing through the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the way he wants you and I to begin our business day, or begin any day, is not thinking about, can I have a relationship with God that's going to make me succeed today? He wants us to wake up and say, Father, I want to have the relationship that you created me to have with you. I want you actually to live your life through me. I want you to live your life through me in the classroom. I want you to live your life through me in my business meetings. I want you to live my, your life through me before my wife, before my husband, before my children. I want you to live your life through me before my adversaries. I want you to live my life through me, your life through me before my friends. Actually, Father, I don't want to live my life today. I want you to live your life through me. And whatever the day holds, I want them to encounter you living your life through me, not me living my life asking you to help me. You living your life through me not me living my life asking you to help me. Brothers and sisters, 
this distinction, it looks like it's a fine line, but it's the difference between a successful Christian life and a life <laughs> that will never work. Because there's only one person on the face of this earth who can live the Christian life, and it's not you, and it's not me, it's Christ. And that's why Paul would clearly say, I have been crucified with Christ, meaning his flesh, crucified to his own resourcefulness, crucified to his own talents, his own abilities. He says, and it's no longer I who lives, no longer I who lives, but Christ. Christ. Christ who lives in me. Christ who is my life, Paul says. Over Christ who is my life. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is just a little more of Christ. He says, we groan, not that we'll be unclothed, but that our mortality will be swallowed up in life. James shared a little bit. He presented Christ on that trip to his, his children. But how does this happen? Well, the first thing that happened and the last thing that happens is you and I need to quit. You and I need to quit trying to live a successful Christian life. Just say, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't love my wife as Christ loved the church. I can't love my husband. I can't respect my husband. I can't be patient with my children. I can't love my children. I can't be an example of my children. I can't be the employee that they need. I can't be the teacher. I can't be the administrator. I can't, I can't, I can't. You know, Jesus smiles and says, you know, I never said you could. You know, I had this conversation with two people this week. And I said, I had this picture of myself having a conversation. I had a picture of a father having a conversation with Jesus. And father says to Jesus, did you talk to Rick this week? God asked Jesus, did you talk to Rick this week? And he said, yes, but Rick kept interrupting me. (laughs) What did he interrupt you with? Well, he kept telling me things I needed to know so I could, you know, help him. Information that I would need to know. Like, Father, I don't know all everything anyway. But that tends to be the relationship we have with Father. He does something and, oh, didn't you know this? Didn't you know that? Don't you know that'll hurt me? Don't you know that'll mess this up? Don't you know that? Don't you know this? Listen, he is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is all-caring. He wants us to lay down any agenda we have about our present, past, or future. Claim Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good to those who trust him and love him. And without reservation, give ourselves to him. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself without reservation to the Father, and the Father without reservation lived his life through Jesus. And that's the relationship. That's how he wants to connect with us. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with him where we're just asking him to help us. He wants us to have a relationship where we're asking him to do it. There's a big difference, brothers and sisters, asking him to do it. (laughs) When I was 24 years old, I heard this old guy, Major Ian Thomas. He said, Christ gave himself for you so he could give himself to you so he could live his life through you. There's the power of the gospel. There's the power of the Christian faith. Not I but Christ. Not I, but Christ. You walk out of here today, you get in that car, the first thing you need to say is, Jesus, I need you to drive through me. I need you to go home through me. 
And when that guy pulls in front of you and that other person you know, stops right in the middle of the street and does a U-turn, you're good. Because Christ said, oh, Father, that guy must be in trouble. Let's pray for him. Christ doesn't get disturbed. Christ's got joy. He's got peace. He's got kindness. He's got goodness. He's got faithfulness. He has self-control. He has everything you and I have always tried to have, asking him to help us, give it to us. No. He says, give me. He wants us to say, give me your life. Live your life through me today, Jesus. That's the answer. This, this, this answer is so simple, it's almost impossible to comprehend. It's easily forgotten and very difficult to apply. And the reason it's difficult to apply is we are just so entrenched in our values and our own sufficiency. But remember, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they need me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or they will experience the kingdom of heaven, which is love, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. All that is good, all that is peaceful, joy in the Holy Spirit. Let us bow our heads. Father, it is so easy for us to run out in front of you. It is so easy for us to run through this life asking you to help us. It is so easy for us to get this relationship with you wrong. We get the salvation part right. We get the fact that you love us. We get that right. But it's so easy for us not to relate to you the way you created us to relate to you, to experience your very life living through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we would ask, Father, and we confess that we can't even do that. We can't trust you. We can't love you. So, Father, would you just love yourself through us? Would you trust yourself through us? Would you so much as think your thoughts through us? Would you desire your will through us? Would you speak your words through us? Would you love our husbands through us? Would you love our wives through us? Would you raise our children through us? Would you serve our employers through us? Would you shepherd our employers through us? Would you just live your life through us in a, in a, in a distant land that is so far from your kingdom, but we are your sons and daughters. We are children of your kingdom. So would you just live your life through us in these short days of our pilgrimage in a dark and fallen world where so distant from the pleasures we'll have forever? Would you bring your life into this world through us and let that life be the light of those around us? And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for our common union in you. Amen.